0: Welcome to episode 122 of the Daniel Yoris podcast with today's guest, Daniel Raz. Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast, everybody. Joined here today by Daniel Raz. Great name, by the way. Nice to have you here.
1: You have a fantastic name as well. I'm excited (laughs) to be here.
0: Of course, man. I appreciate you. Daniel, can you go ahead and introduce yourself and tell us who you are and what it is that you do?
1: So, as you'll hear from my accent, I'm from Israel. When I was six, my family and I moved to China. I grew up there. At the age of 18, I have two older brothers. One of them went to university in Melbourne, Australia. Another one went in the US. So, I decided let's go for a different country, Canada, and went there for University of Kinesiology. It's basically exercise in science. I initially wanted to be a physiotherapist, after my second year of university, I decided I'd rather go the personal personal training route. I still finished my degree, so worked in a couple gyms. Then in twenty twenty, I'm sure a few of you heard there was a lockdown thing going on, <laughs> so that was no longer an option. Started doing online, and that's what I do full time now.
0: Amazing! What a story. I didn't I didn't know that about you. That um, that you had lived in so many places. That have you been back to to China, or do you go back to Israel? Like regularly at all
1: so I left China in 2016 I've been there once in 2017 haven't been there since I do go to Israel every summer though
0: nice nice and where in Canada uh, did you go to school and, and where do you live now
1: so I went to school for UBC University of British Columbia I'm still in British Columbia and I've been in the same place for the last seven years in Kelowna it's five hours drive from Vancouver if anybody knows where that is and yeah nice a lot of places to hike it's a really nice place so it's like california of canada i guess but colder obviously
0: yeah yeah but not that much colder i mm-hmm. i went to vancouver for the first time ever you know i i live in or just outside of toronto um and, and I had never been to Vancouver in my life until uh, this past January. Vancouver is phenomenal. I've heard and seen amazing things. Um, from Kelowna, it looks like a a really great place to live with tons of nature. Of course, way more than than the big city, but you know, big enough yeah. that you still got all the big city stuff. Right. Oh yeah. Was that something that you were always looking for Is something that a place to live that was very much integrated with nature and and, and a lot of opportunity to be outside year-round?
1: Oh, yeah. The city that grew up in China had a larger population than all of Canada, right? (laughs) What city was it? Uh, Shenzhen. It's like by Hong Kong, 40 million people. So (laughs) something crazy, right? Yeah. So like... It's all apartments, there's very few houses, and the apartments are like 36 stories high, just because there's so many people, right? And in Canada, everything is so spread out. Like, well, I lived in China, you do not need a car. Everyone walks everywhere, because everything walking distance. The mall, and groceries, and even if it's not, you still walk, right? Because traffic is awful. And you can probably buy your license. Maybe less now, but definitely back then, right? So... It's so different. And also because you go grocery shopping every single day, the cuts are one fourth the size of the cuts here. When mm. you go grocery shopping, the cuts are huge. That makes you buy way more things. Like the idea of Costco doesn't really exist. Like you don't buy in bulk, you just buy every other day, basically.
0: Right, right. Yeah, that that's gotta have some major implications. I'd never even thought about that, you know, we think about the size of the plate and, and if a if a plate is larger, like at a buffet kind of style of a restaurant you're going to fill up the plate. And if a plate is smaller, you're going to fill up the plate to the smaller plate and you're going to end up eating less that way. Um, but the size of the cart also plays a, plays a role for sure. And and I guess it's just more habits and lifestyle of what's you know the cultural norms of how to shop and how to store food and and, and all that stuff as well. Now, were you very heavily involved in, in fitness uh, or, or sports in, at all before you started your, your undergrad degree at, at UBC?
1: So from the age of zero to 12, I actually have very few childhood memories which for whatever reason upsets people but I don't remember much and I believe a big reason is because I ate so much junk food. If it wasn't chicken nuggets or hot chocolate, I did not consume it. So mm. I was the most picky eater on the planet which is why I'm a huge advocate to always trying new foods because I believe you can always change your taste buds no matter what. From age 0 to 12, worst eater on the planet. Age of 12, I started playing basketball. My brother convinced me that if I ate healthier, then I would be but in basketball. And eating healthier was every single diet except what I was eating. So I slowly <laughs> started trying new food, starting eating healthier, started to get more into nutrition. And as a teenager, I pretty much played basketball and that's it. That's all I did. I felt extremely confident on the basketball court, but nowhere else. I did not feel like that confidence translated into everyday life. And around around the age of 17, I started working out way more seriously. And I noticed that unlike a basketball, I could take my body with me everywhere I went because you literally have your body with you all the time. So the confidence translated into social life, into school, into just everyday life. So I figured that that was a way more translatable skill. Hmm. And I didn't think you could make a lot of money from personal training. So I'm like, let's go for physiotherapy. So I went to school for that, but I still had my passion of helping people prevent all the injuries rather than being the physiotherapist and go after it's almost too late, right? And when everything shut down, I'm like, okay, let's try this online thing and that's what I do full time now.
0: Yeah, that's a a very similar story to to my route. I also did a kinesiology degree, and my intention was to uh, become a chiropractor. I actually went to chiropractic school for a year, and then you know it's a long story for for another day. But it's like a, a, I, I dropped out of that to become a, a personal trainer full time, and you know try and be on the on the front end of things rather than like yeah. after injury, and and of course that's a bit of a black and white statement but it's not that black and white you can definitely be on the preventative side of things as a physio as a chiro as a any type of manual therapist but you know not something that we need to uh, <laughs> to to go in into into too much detail but it's interesting that you know basketball was the thing that kind of like made you start to eat healthy and it's like you know your big brother saying like hey you're going to be better at basketball by eating healthier yeah. which is of course that's that's true and and probably didn't really make that much of a difference Initially, because like you're just a 12 year old kid playing, so like and yeah. anything is all is all the same. And like you said, any diet would be healthier than just you know chicken nuggets and um and 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 hot chocolate, right? But not not so atypical of of a lot of kids who are extremely picky and they just latch on to. You know a couple of foods for for whatever reason um and then and then have to try and you know become an adult in the world and be like okay you can't just this is not a way to live your your life right yeah. do you remember what some of the first foods that you like were okay with eating or, or okay with trying afterwards
1: i remember the first time my childhood grilled cheese and that blew my mind i didn't know that was possible <laughs> to eat things that weren't chicken nuggets and hot chocolate that was outside of my reality Right. I remember the first amazing. time I ate a banana and I was so proud of myself because it was a healthy food and I found it tasty. So I'm like, okay, if I can do this, anything is possible, right? Like nothing's right. off limits.
0: Right, that's amazing. And are are you still, would you still identify as someone who's like a, a picky eater? Are there not still certain all. foods that you don't like or anything? Not at all. Nice, nice. I mean, Did there's definitely
1: take... food that I dislike. Right? Sure. Like I hate pickles. I'm not going to eat pickles. I'll always take I'm it off. I'm with you, but I'm willing to try way more new foods.
0: Right? Yeah, yeah. Of course. I mean, I think it's I think it's almost weird to be like, "Hey, I just love every single food." Like, no one loves every single food. Like, I'm the same as you. Pickles is, is a good example because I don't really love pickles either. If it's like in something, then you know, sure, whatever, I'll eat it. But but I would never choose it if I had the option, kind of thing.
1: I would personally take it out because I hate it, and <laughs> that's another thing. There's a lot of foods that I hate. And I would never be able to get used to, right? right? Like a lot of people say, you know, kombucha is healthy. If there was a gun to my head, be like, hey, then we have to drink this kombucha. I would respond, don't waste your time, just spoil the trigger because I can't. <laughs> I hate the taste so much. I hate it so right. badly, yeah. right? However, to your example of pickles, my version of a pickle would be like, I guess it used to be onions, right? I used to hate eating onions, but no, I'm not hate. I used to not love it right? But I recognized it was healthy. So if it wasn't a salad, I wouldn't say anything. If it wasn't a sandwich or like in a soup, I wouldn't say anything. And the more I ate it, the more I started to like the taste. And now I love onions, right? So I believe you can take healthy foods that might not be that tasty. Again, not disgusting, but like not that tasty. And the more you eat it, it, it can eventually become healthy and tasty.
0: Right. I think it's, a, you know, just to go back to something you said a little bit earlier about changing your taste buds. I think that it's very true, and I don't know this like, you know, factually, but anecdotally, is like people who eat a lot of junk food, chicken nuggets, McDonald's, you know, just like general fast food and stuff, they they really like the taste of it and the taste of quote unquote healthy foods, you know, meats and vegetables and whatnot, are repulsive to them because their taste buds are so used to this like overwhelming flavor profile from from the from the junk foods, right? And that's and that's something to I think consider is like it's very hard to switch from you know, a total junk food diet to like even something relatively healthy just because the taste is so repulsive. But over time it will, your taste buds will change. And eventually it's like, yeah, when I have that, like, you know, super savory, you know, whatever junk food, it just tastes, it's the flavor's so overwhelming that it starts to taste not that good. Right.
1: 100%. Yeah. 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 You switch completely. Like I used to love drinking Coke like all the time. But now I don't like any soft drinks. Like I don't like it. It's way too sweet. This doesn't taste good. I'm like, no, I'd much rather have water.
0: Yeah, yeah. But for me, every time I have like a, a Coke or a soft drink or whatever, I always think that I want it. And this is like, you know, few and far between, but I always yeah. think that I want it. And then when I have it, it's like I ah, I only wanted like one or two sips. I, de- I definitely yeah. don't want this whole thing. I just want that flavor, like one one sip and then, and then, and then that's it. I think another thing that's a, a big one for people and not that this is that much of a needle mover, but sugar and coffee. People will load up their coffee, you know, a, a triple, triple at Tim Hortons, you know, like they load up the, the sugar in the coffee, four or five sugars in the coffee. And it's like, how could you eat it? How could you drink it without it? But eventually you cut that sugar out of the coffee and you, you know, you like the taste of just black coffee. And then yeah. if you go and put the sugar back in it, it's like, wow, this is too sweet. Like, this is gross. This is dessert. How do you, how do you drink this regularly? First thing in the morning or whatever, right?
1: Listen, you can always get used to whatever you do most often. Which is why, yeah, again, I'm a huge believer of your diet should be about expanding, not about subtracting. You Mm. should eat more of the foods you love. And you do that by trying new foods. And you'll realize how many healthy, tasty foods there are instead of limiting yourself to the 10 same foods that you eat all the time. And again, this is coming from the most picky eater on the planet. You can 100% change this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's a good experience that you bring to the table with that, right? You, you were so limited in what you ate and now you, you know, eat a a plethora of healthy foods and and whatnot. So after you graduated from school, you became a personal trainer full-time. Um, what was your current like level of fitness and, and, and relationship with fitness? Was it something that you struggled with or was it, you were just, you know, you were all into it. You were still playing basketball, still training, still in shape relatively. Where were you at at that time?
1: So I started playing less and less basketball because I realized it wasn't transferable. I feel like, cool, I was more confident on the basketball court, but as soon as I stepped off, I was the same guy. So I went a lot. I became a lot more focused on this, um, working out, just running more, just being more healthy individual in general. And I, like, I, I worked in gyms while I was still like, finishing my degree. Right? Because I knew I want to be a personal trainer and I dabbled in online, but I wasn't exactly sure how to go about it. But when everything shut down, I'm like, okay, now I have no choice. Right? And that's when I slowly started um training people online. You realize how different it is. Right? But you also realize how much better results you can get. Because with in person, the way in person Um, trainers make money and the way gyms make money is for more people to come for more people to sign up and less people to actually show up because look at any business model of a gym 100% of gyms 90% of people that sign up don't show up more than once a month like the statistics are crazy that's how they make money by people signing up and people not showing up right you see the the same people overcome come over and over again but with like online fitness trainers they get money by testimonials, so they have incentive to actually get results right and because there 's accountability and nutrition all of that, then you are able to actually see tangible results in um people 's lives, which is a lot more exciting
0: yeah yeah the 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 public gym, just like membership based thing is is always so strange just to view it like you see in January, the gyms are rammed, and it 's almost like it's some gyms are like almost unusable at certain times of the day because there's so many people there, but then they they fall off and then, you know, the gym has enough equipment to, to, to service the number of people that are regularly using the gym, the the rest of the year. Right. But you know, I think in-person training is a little bit different where it's like, you're still incentivized to get people results. I think people want yeah. that relationship stuff, but like, you know, you got to get people at the end of the day, like you have to get people results because you know, they will be your buddy in the, you know, whatever, and you can have a great relationship. But like if they wanted to lose 10 pounds and you know, eight months later, they've Lost zero pounds. Like (laughs) something, something wrong with that, right? Exactly. Um, Now I know that a lot of the way that you, uh, you know, your your model in in online training is all about, not all about, but a lot about losing weight without going to the gym. Can you talk about why that was a thing? And and my guess is probably because you know during the pandemic, like gyms weren't an option, so people looking for ways to lose weight without going to the gym was like, you know, it just it seemed it was the only option. So is that is that where that came
1: from? Basically, because I realized that I, I didn't prepare for the lockdown, I didn't have any equipment, I just did push-ups and everything that I knew, but fortunately, I was probably a decade into training and into fitness, so I knew a couple of things, how to get myself in shape, and I realized that your muscles only know tension, right? As long as you work it out, then your muscles will grow to the same rate, right? Now, if you have a full access to a gym and you know what you're doing, it is easier. However, you can still accomplish a lot just with body weight. A metaphor I use all the time is that Gordon Ramsay with one pan can make a better meal than the average person can with five pans. Because it's not about the equipment that you have, it's about knowing what to do. Yeah. And if you know what to do, then even just your own body weight, you can accomplish way more than the guy that's in the gym, confused, not sure how to go about it. And... Also, I believe there's a huge part of the population that wants to get in shape but hates going to the gym because they're intimidated, it's a new environment, and they just don't identify as a person that goes into that environment, right? So, a lot of the people who need the most of getting in shape don't want to go to the gym. So... If people know that it's possible to achieve results without it, then it kind of opens their eyes and makes them realize hey I, I can accomplish this
0: yeah, I think that's that's very well said. I think that the point to highlight there is that muscles only understand tension and force right that doesn't your body doesn't know what a bicep curl is; it just knows that yeah. there's some force or some tension being applied to the biceps muscle, and so the response the physiological response to that will be to either you know based on the, all the conditions based you know will be to grow or to get stronger or to lay down more tissue or you know what what have you a whole bunch of other more complex physiological things um but but it's a really important thing for people to notice that this is why there's not like best exercises it's yeah. more about like well how are you training and and what's the intention of it what's the intensity level of it versus like certain exercises don't really matter you know we think about today a fully equipped gym there is way better gym equipment today in like an average gym more likely than, you know, like than Arnold would have had access to when he was training. And so does that mean that the average guy in a regular gym is going to be like bigger than Arnold because he has better equipment? Like, no, of course not. Right. And that's pretty, pretty obvious. And so that's a good way to just, you know, to point out that like, hey, good equipment matters. And if you have access to good equipment, of of course, use it. But it's not the only thing that matters. And it will never outweigh like intensity and just correct training principles. Right.
1: One percent. And I also want to emphasize that the people I work with are not the top one percent of athletes. The people I work with are people that are usually obese or overweight and just need some momentum to get the results they want. They're lacking consistency. And driving to the gym 20 minutes, waiting for a machine, being in front of other people, having to clean other people's sweat because they don't wipe, so much anxiety, so much more obstacles are in the way to help people get in the shape they want. Right. So I say, hey, let's limit as much obstacles as possible. Let's make it as easy as possible. Because, Daniel, I'm going to ask you a question. I have no idea how you'll answer, but let's see if it fits my metaphor. How many out of the last like 10 movies that you watched, how many of them were at home compared to movie theaters?
0: Oh, uh, probably. If it's new movies, then probably like 50 50. But if it's and like if it's movies, movies that I've crazy. seen before, oh, then, then probably 10, 10 out of 10 at home.
1: 10 out of 10 at home. Why is that? It's
0: just more convenient. It's more convenient. It's just on, on my time, I can pause it, go to the bathroom, you know, whatever. Yeah.
1: And if you could, I would imagine if you could only watch movies in movie theaters and nowhere else, you would watch way more movies, right? It would be more difficult for you to consistently watch movies, right? Because yeah. it's such an obstacle. But if you're able to watch movies at home, which we are able to, you're able to watch way more movies, right? Same thing with your fitness, right? If you're able to do 20 minutes of workouts at home, you're able to be a lot more consistent and consistency is key to anything, right? Again, full disclosure, if you want to be a bodybuilding world champion, if you want to be the top 1% of athletes, I'm probably not your guy because you would need a gym. You would need to work out for like two hours a day. You need not like to be super strict with your diet. But if you have 30 pounds to lose, you just want a six pack. If you just want to flatten your tummy, if you just want to have more energy, if you just want to live for a decade longer because you're on high blood pressure medication and just want to get rid of that, then you can accomplish plenty at home. You can even accomplish plenty just by walking, right? As long as you are consistent, then that's all that matters. And... I want to help people who just struggle with that consistency and want to get results without going to the gym because they hate the gym for whatever reason.
0: Yeah. So many things you said there that like are things that I often say. You know, it comes up every single podcast episode and it always amazes me because you know, you and I haven't had a conversation until until right now, aside from you know, emails back and forth setting up like scheduling this. But you know, the consistency is the number one thing. Walking is probably the biggest needle mover of all. And you do need more equipment to become like you know extremely muscular or like whatever of course but it's not necessary for most people and like i think i'm someone who i probably push the gym more than than you do and not that there's any right or wrong or wrong way to go about it it's just you know the way that we say things and the people that we're that we're speaking to um but there there's a there's a time and a place and it's absolutely not necessary it's more about all of the things that we're doing so i think one thing to kind of Clear up with with you know your messaging about losing weight without going to the gym. It's not losing weight without exercising or without moving. It's about losing weight without stepping foot in an actual like fitness facility. But you've still got to exercise and, and whatnot at home, right?
1: One percent. And on to that point, just like when I say you can lose weight while eating your favorite foods, I'm not saying you only eat donuts and nothing else. I'm <laughs> yeah. saying there's likely way more healthy, tasty foods that you don't know are tasty because you've never tried it. And if you write it down, there's actually way more healthy foods that you enjoy. You're just in the habit of eating junk food. But my guess is there's a few vegetables, a few types of fish or chicken or steak that you do, or eggs that you do enjoy, right? And that's also healthy, right? So you don't need to choose either healthy, untasty, or junk food that's tasty. There's a lot of healthy, tasty foods. And my point is if you focus on that, then you can remain consistent. My point is in terms of exercise, if you do twenty minutes at home, it's better than going to the gym once a month for three hours. Consistency matters most in everything.
0: Right. Yeah, it's that it's the it, it the daily deposits, right? Twenty minutes a day is always gonna be, you know, these big chunks that are less frequent, right? Now that three that three hour exercise session might be more effective than a single twenty minute yeah. exercise session, but you know thirty days of twenty minutes is is going to be way better than than a single three hour um, three hour session I think yeah. it's also a, a really good way to to position things as well because you remove like this barrier one it's a logistical barrier uh driving to the gym if the gym is not close to you right your one hour workout can end up taking. 2 hours or even 3 hours if the gym is, you know, somewhat far or there's traffic in the gym or the gym is busy or, you know, any any number of of things that are that that could be happening, right? Plus the anxiety, especially someone who's new to the gym or is is, you know, just someone who's new to the gym. It's a it's an intimidating environment. As much as like yeah. I think the gym community is actually extremely welcoming and people like love to see new people there and all that stuff it doesn't, you don't know that walking in. And so it's really hard to just embody that before you've been there for a couple months. And, you know, you realize that everyone's just going to, you know, be kind to you for, for the most part. Um, and, more importantly, like no one really cares about what you're doing like they're no just there <laughs> they're just there doing their own thing, more worried about what people think about them, never mind what 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 they think about you um so that's a really important point now, as far as workouts at home, how do you typically structure the workouts at full body workouts? do you use any home equipment like just even just adjustable dumbbells and whatnot, or what's your kind of I'm sure it's different for each client, obviously that's what one on one is but what's your general framework
1: I'm a huge fan of bands because you can accomplish so much with them mm. right and other than biceps in the middle of your back you can accomplish most you can yeah accomplish most um exercises with the body weight right i would say the m- middle of your back and biceps are probably the only exceptions but yeah if you can get a ten dollar band then now there's no exceptions you can accomplish anything right and if you get like a I just have this handy loop band, right? You can hit your glutes better than any exercise that I know, right? You can hit your legs. Wonderful. So I'm not against using equipment at all. I love having dumbbells, bands, but whatever they have, right? I start with the body weight because most of the people I work with are 300 pounds to begin with. So I'm like, okay, let's take a walk. Even that will um, make a difference. Get Let's get the consistency in, right? right? But yeah, once you do get more advanced, I do encourage bands if they are able to get dumbbells, then I definitely encourage that. And if they are by a gym, I encourage that as well. But to begin with, hey, just body weight bands—that's all you need. You can accomplish so much with, with just that.
0: You mentioned that a lot of the clients that you start working with are, you know, 300 pounds or or very overweight or obese. What is some of the the mindset shift that needs to happen uh, for these people, or that you see happen for these people, where they're they're ready to? Take that step, even to reach out to you and be like, "Hey, you know, I've been doing such and such, and like, I'm ready for coaching now." What what's their kind of mindset like? If if that question makes sense at all.
1: In my experience, and this is like a catch twenty two: the people who are most anxious, the people who are most skeptical, always end up being the best clients, mm. right? So it's never like, "Hey, I followed you, you're amazing, let me be your client." So it's a so it's a battle, but those end up being the best testimonials, which is why. I quote-unquote am willing to put up with a fight, right? So if you're anxious, fantastic. You'll probably be the best client I've had so far. So what I really focus on is what I call the easy wins. Because come January 1st, everyone, after not exercising for months, decides I'm going to work out for two hours every single day. I'll eat nothing but bananas and carrots. I will drink seven gallons of water every day. Something super (laughs) unrealistic. They're not able to sustain with it for more than three days, right? Then they get discouraged, they fail, and they feel worse about themselves than ever before. I take the opposite approach. I say let's start with the easy wins, things that take minimal time and effort and move the needle in your favor. As an example, this is a standing desk. I knew I was going to have this podcast. Might as well stand. Every time I have a phone call, I walk. I never sit. I encourage my clients to do things that don't take time, don't take effort, move the needle in their favor. Improving the quality of the sleep does take time, does take effort, you just need to know what to do. Having a water bottle within arm's reach is super simple, but makes a tremendous difference. 75% of the American population is constantly dehydrated, causes them to look and feel bloated. Right, so, once you're able to start seeing some type of wins, and I call them easy wins, because again, don't take time, don't take effort, and help you achieve your goals. I believe most people don't lack motivation. They lack tangible results. It's super Mm. easy to be motivated if you see the number on the scale go down every week. It's super easy to be motivated if your clothes fit better every single week. If every day you look in the mirror, be like, I look better today than I did yesterday. Being motivated is easy. So when I give my clients 20-minute workouts, they say, that's it. I'm like, yep, don't do any more. I mean, if you want to, you can, but you don't have to. And they do that every day for like a week. Then next week, we might increase it to 21 minutes. Like super minuscule changes, gets them, momentum gets the snowball rolling and pretty big, pretty soon it's a pretty big snowball that can knock down anything.
0: Motivation is such an interesting piece of this. And I love that you said that, you know, tangible results are something that really lead to more motivation rather than just trying to like get jacked up every day watch like a you know your your favorite motivational video you know rocky whatever <laughs> whatever gets yeah. you fired up uh just just to go to the gym or or to eat healthier to just you know be on your game rather than the thing that will lead to it most is like hey you know I've been doing xyz that daniel told me to do and it's working look the scale's going down i feel better my clothes fit better so i'll just keep doing that because it's obviously working right and that's that's such a huge uh, thing that I think a lot of people miss is that they're looking to feel fired up all the time rather than looking for the results. And if you're getting the results and, you know, then the ball will, will, will keep rolling where these easy wins really play a huge role in just helping someone get started. Cause it's like, Hey, you know, the goal was 20 minutes of exercise. Like, all right, I can, I can do that. I can't maybe commit to two hours of exercise a day, but I can commit to 20. And Daniel said, only do 20. So I did 20 and like, therefore I'm doing good and then next week we can we can kind of increase it so yeah that motivation aspect is um is really really important the other thing that you kind of mentioned there was about it sounds like you try and get your clients to structure their day in such a way that is most conducive to movement and healthy behaviors. You know, having a water yeah. bottle, having a standing desk, and all that kind of stuff. What are some of the other tips that you that you give people to you know set up their environment so that they there's some more built in movement and healthy behaviors uh, in their in their normal day to day routine? For sure,
1: my main. Objective is to show people that it's possible to remain consistent no matter what conditions they're under. So I say every 30 minutes, take a one minute break and do one minute of quote unquote exercise. This can be knee push squats, wall sits, wall slides, if you don't know what that is. I mean, go to my Twitter, I have so many examples. But uh, anytime, calf raises, any type of exercise for one minute. And my point is, even if every 30 minutes, you do one minute of quote-unquote exercise, doing a typical eight-hour work shift, that's 16 minutes of exercise. Not bad. Let's say you do 10 knee push-ups during those one minute. Most people can accomplish that. In total, that's 160 knee push-ups. Pretty good. Not a bad workout. If you're able to do that consistently, it takes zero time from your actual day, and you'll realize after doing that one minute, you can probably go for two minutes, right? So you'd want to go more and it actually makes you more productive because it increases your energy levels rather than being in front of a computer eight hours like this, stuck, right? You'll have brain fog. You won't think as clearly, but you literally think quicker on your feet. So if you are able to move more, it increases your productivity, your energy levels, and you burn more calories, you look better the next day or at least a week after.
0: This is something that I've also implemented a lot uh, during, during the lockdowns and a lot with like, you know, just people working from home is, I call them mini workouts, not that they're, you know, whatever, call it whatever you want, but it's like, every time you go to the bathroom, you know, do. 10 squats or pick a, pick an exercise of the day kind of thing. The way that I do is like pick an exercise of the day Today is squats. So, you know, at least once every hour, or every time you get up or whatever, you do 10 squats. And over the day, you're going to accumulate a hundred, 200, 300 squats. And then tomorrow is going to be pushups. And the next day might be, you know, uh, face pulls or whatever, whatever it is, like whatever stuff you got at home. And it actually doesn't matter what it is. The point is like, just move a little bit as much as you can during the day, inject more movement, um, through the day. As well as that, what is your guidance on um, just walking and general activity? Of, of course, that you know you want people to do these like these little micro workouts and whatever one minute of activity. But I would assume that you're a pretty big proponent of just getting steps in and going outside for a walk, especially being a, a, a BC resident.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, walking outside is fantastic. I walk whenever I feel like any type of brain fog. I just want to clear my mind. Mm. I want to have better ideas. Most of my ideas are from walking, and I feel like that's true for most entrepreneurs, right? The more you walk, the better it is, especially if you can walk in the sun. And it doesn't have to be like a power walk. It doesn't have to be walk in terms of exercise. It's just walk to be in nature, right? People think that because you are a fitness trainer, then you exercise for 10 hours a day. But <laughs> I'm, I don't know your life, but my guess is pretty simple to mine, which is I'm in front of a computer most of the day, right? that's how you make money, right? That's how you help people. That's how you post content, through your phone, through your computer. So I also have to remind myself to get outside, look at nature, and that actually increases your productivity because you're able to realize that in this world, the meaning of life is whatever you set it to be, right? Social media is not always real. You can get attached. There's so many negativity and obviously hate always pops up. Um, a lot more on social media, especially on Twitter. So many arguments all the time. Uh, That's why I'm most active. So yeah, it's walking outside as much as possible. Huge huge fan of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Me as well. It's actually probably one of the biggest, not just being outside, but just like injecting movement in the day is like probably one of the biggest downfalls for me of my own like business is I just hate being in front of the computer but it, like you said it's like that's where that's where you got to be you got to be you know cranking out emails and, and content and, and whatnot and sure I, I think I do a good job of keeping up the volume of all that and getting done what I could what I need to get done on a daily basis but as far as like going above and beyond like I could spend more time doing that but at the same time it's like I just want to be moving around being outside being in the gym and and, and all kinds of uh all kinds of other stuff but like as much as you can i think it's better i'm fully with you that like most of the ideas are going to come from just like a leisurely walk in nature yeah. um and even there's something about it that's like even a leisurely walk through the neighborhood or through the city is not the same as like a leisurely walk through the forest or through a park or where there's just like open green space and, and open air and all that stuff uh, so there's definitely something to be said about that whether you know people will be like oh but it's not like supported by research like who cares (laughs) just do it and and then let us know if it if it helps you and, and it will another thing that you are very big on and give a lot of good tips on is um fitness and like nutrition tips for traveling now of course the world is like opened up business travel is like back on the go people are on planes meetings all that kind of stuff all over the map um so what are some of your best tips for traveling because that's a place where a lot of people tend to slip up on just because they're outside of their their you know, built environment.
1: One hundred percent. So, in both regards to nutrition and exercise, it's not did I exercise or did I not exercise. It's not did I eat healthy or did I not eat healthy. It's how healthy did I eat? How much exercise did I accomplish? So, can't do twenty minutes? Can you do ten? Can you do five? You can always do something. Can't eat the most healthy? Can you eat a bit healthy? Can you prioritize protein? Prioritize like fruits and vegetables. Things like that. Can you just? Um, drink more water, avoid soft drinks, avoid like alcohol for the most part, then you'll be good, right? Not everything has to be organic, unprocessed, but do the best you can while you're traveling. I imagine, Daniel, that no matter what location I put you on earth, you will still look like you, right? You won't blow up to 300 pounds because you have a certain standard of who you are and you have certain principles that even if you're in a foreign place and you don't Know any of the food? You're not familiar with anything. You'll still be able to eat somewhat healthy, right? Even if I put you in the middle of Vietnam and the menus in Vietnamese, you'd have to point something, and that's the food that comes. You'll see the pictures, and you'll point to that. You'll have a similar idea of what type of foods to eat, and that's what I try to convey to my clients: is instead of giving you a meal plan, a strict list of saying you have to do this, you can do that, it's about learning the general principles that no matter where you're at, you're able to remain healthy. I think about it kind of like a driver's license. No matter where you drive, if you know how to drive, you're able to get around. Now, yes, some places are more complicated. Some places you have to be more careful of your surroundings when you drive in foreign places. But if you have the skill, then you're able to translate it everywhere you go. And same thing with fitness. If you have that skill, if you have it with you, then even on vacation you're able to lose weight. And when my clients lose weight on vacation, that's when they really get ingrained and believe that this lifestyle is possible.
0: Yeah. I, I love that. I think it's so true. It's a great statement that, you know, no matter where in the world, if you know the principles, you'll be able to get by, right? You might not know the names of the foods and whatever, but you can say like, okay, well, that's, that's vegetables. I don't know what the name of that vegetable is, but it looks like vegetables. And maybe yeah. I don't know what, what, what protein source that is, but that looks like a, you know, it's a protein source and that looks like it's a good carb source. And I don't know what the names of them are in the local language, but I know what they are and, and I can eat them. And I know that, okay, that's ice cream, that's dessert, that's junk. And yeah. like, sure. Enjoy those and it, like, I'm, I'm a big proponent of, you know, in, indulging in, in, local cuisines and enjoy the things and the places that you're in, of course, but like within reason, right. If, especially yeah. if you're trying to be like on your game and losing weight while traveling is definitely possible, but you can't just be like checking out every single ice cream shop and every single, you know, breakfast brunch spot and every single, like, you know, whatever other restaurants and, and expect to, to lose weight unless you're making like extremely, um, extremely good choices all the time, but then you're not enjoying yourself and it defeats the purpose of everything that I just said. So the real thing is like, you got to know the principles, like, you know, stick on your protein, stick to like a regular amount of food within your calories and, and continue to continue to exercise and just set yourself up for the best success. One thing that I find that, you know, people struggle with as far as travel is like they don't have their same breakfast. They don't have, you know, their water bottle. They don't have like their same desk they're They're not sure about the the food options at lunch and all that stuff. And so I'm just a big proponent of like, well, especially in North America, there's so many food delivery things. Like you can get to wherever you are, like, order some, you know, some Greek yogurt, maybe some nuts, some, some bananas, some fruits, whatever. And like, you have those things in your hotel room. And then from there, like look up where you're going to be, like take the 10 minutes it takes, maybe not even take the few minutes it takes to just like, look up where you're going to be. And what are the food options? Okay. There's a, there's a McDonald's, there's a, there's a Chipotle and there's a, you know, whatever, another burger place. Like, okay, well fine. Those are the options. Okay. What are you going to choose from those options? That way it's already pre-thought about versus you get there and you get in the line like, oh, well, I'll just have the big back and supersize it. And like, oh, that's where, that's where failure comes in, right? You've got to think about these things a little bit ahead of time and just understand the system, understand what you're doing, be aware of your surroundings in order to kind of like make the best, uh, make, make the best choices. That's, that's kind of how I always position is just like, be aware of what you're doing, make the choices when you're thinking, you know, clearly rather than thinking with your, thinking with your stomach at the moment.
1: Yeah, definitely. And I've noticed that when I give my clients example, be like, if I want to Chick fil A, this is the menu, this is what I would pick, and this is the reason behind it. If I want to Chipotle, here's the menu, here's what I would pick, and here's the reason why. And once they're able to see a couple examples, then when they go to Burger King, and that's the only option they have, be like, okay. In Chick-fil-A and Chipotle he said this I feel like it applies the same thing so maybe order double meat maybe don't order a soft drink maybe don't order a bunch of fries right um, they get the general principles after you give them a few examples and then they're able to carry that everywhere they go
0: yeah yeah I think it just really comes back to like you said the general principles and goal setting right have something in mind for while you're traveling it is the purpose of your travel the purpose of your travel is work or or pleasure whatever it is but is your nutrition goals while you're working to try and maintain what you're doing? Is it to try and uh, continue to lose weight? And then if you know what you're aiming for, then it's a lot easier to attain that thing rather than just, you know, flying by the seat of your pants.
1: 100
0: As far as time-saving tips then from the home. Um, ways to kind of set up your environment. What are some of those things that you often uh, speak about and, and advise your clients on as far as time-saving tips at home?
1: In terms of um, like exercise, you mean?
0: Exercise or, or their nutrition, just their entire lifestyle.
1: Mm. Right. So in terms of exercise, I am a huge proponent of you know having your mat set up, having your workout clothes set up so it doesn't take that much effort, you know, put them on and get your exercise going. And my um, huge emphasis, um, I, I definitely want to emphasize, just start. The goal isn't to complete the workout. The goal is to start. As long as you start, you've won, right? Because if you look and I give you a 30-minute workout, that might be intimidating. Even if I give you a 20-minute workout, it might be intimidating. But if you mindset, as long as I start, I win, and I truly believe that, then after the five minutes, then you'll probably want to continue. And let's say after the five minutes, you have a headache. Hey. Then you can stop, but always start, always do a little bit of something. In regards to nutrition, I recommend to obviously make a list of healthy and tasty foods, so you realize what to mostly focus on, and also what I call meal prep food. Now, meal prep food, by my definition, isn't strictly rice, broccoli, and chicken in glass containers. There's way more than that. By my definition, meal prep food is anything that takes less than 5 minutes to prepare. So, nuts. Banana, let's say, um, sandwiches that are already made, right? Um, dark chocolate, love that. All that is meal prep food because it doesn't take a long time to make. It's already made. Beans, right? Canned, pe- canned beans or canned tuna. You just open the can and you can eat it or you can heat it up as well. So anything, eggs, takes three minutes to m- make, right? Anything that doesn't take a lot of time, if you're able to have those ready, Then it's faster than eating junk food, right? It's faster than ordering fast food if you just have those ready. So, scissors are up for success. If I wanted to eat ice cream, I would have to drive 20 minutes to the closest or 10 minutes to the closest grocery store, grab ice cream, talk to the cashier, come back home, open it up, take a spoon, eat it. If I want to eat dark chocolate, which is significantly healthier um, than most ice creams, then I just have to reach over and eat it <laughs> right this 95 percent dark chocolate anything above 90 percent is good for you so um for the most part right it has more benefits than um, negative right um so yeah make it easy to make the healthy choices and difficult to make the unhealthy choices so you can set yourself up to win
0: yeah well said i think again it just comes back to so much preparation right and this is where coaches come in it's like well you know these things seem obvious to to us, and and they seem obvious probably when when we say them, like oh yeah, like of course, why why didn't I think of that? And it's like well because it's not your. It's not your job. Like we sit, you know, we spend all day thinking about these things and reading about these things and and, and whatnot. So yeah, they're they're not rocket science. They're not like, oh my God, no one's ever thought about this before to have like a sandwich, uh, you know, you know, pre prepared or whatever. But it's a massively helpful tip and it's something that most people haven't thought of before, and that's why they're not doing it. Right. So this is where just having a coach comes in to kind of like, you know, hold your hand and, and, and show you the ropes and give you these pointers and think about okay, well, what's going on in your life compared to what's going on in the lives of many other people that I've trained before. For and this has worked for them and it's probably going to work for you, it's at least worth a shot. That way, if you set yourself up for success, the chances of success are significantly greater rather than, you know, hey, just maybe stop eating ice cream so much. Like, hey, everybody yeah. knows that one, right? But that's not really a tangible tip. One
1: hundred percent. On that note, I have a question for you. I want to see how you answer that. And yeah. I've been thinking about this quite a bit lately. I obviously have my own opinions, but I want to see your thoughts. So what do you think when people say, chat gpt and youtube can replace personal
0: trainers uh well youtube obviously can't replace personal trainers because it would have it would have done so already right youtube is not new um i think that chat gpt can replace a lot of personal trainers and that's because a lot of personal trainers are not good at what they do yeah and so a lot of personal trainers forget that the most important part of personal training is the personal part. And so they operate like chat GPT, except they're just not as good where they're just giving yeah. programs and macronutrients. And it's like anybody can, any, anyone with a keyboard can write a workout program. Anyone can write a bad workout program, right? And it's not that hard to write a program that doesn't suck. It's difficult to write a to write a good program, but it's not hard to write a program that's not horrible. And so anyone can do that. Anyone can go on online and and use a, a macro calculator of some sort to be like, okay, you know, here's my stats, here's my weight, height, uh, sex, age, exercise, whatever. And uh, you know, it says you should eat uh, twenty one hundred calories and and uh, you know, one hundred and seventy three grams of protein, whatever whatever it says. Anybody can do that, but what someone what a computer can 't do is read the human emotions, read the human element of what 's happening in that person 's life, understand the relationship between themselves and, and and their spouse or uh, their family or their roommates or whoever it is that they live with in their current environment and the stresses of their job and the the, the, the holidays that are coming up and like and all of these things that contribute to an actual real person 's uh, life and the things that are going to make them successful. So I think that over time it may become good enough to do that. I think we're very very far away from that. Of course I'm a little bit no more optimistic because it's what it's what I do as well, but I think that the relationship part of it will never be totally replaced because there's something about, you know, there's some human element to this that won't be easily able to be replaced by, by an AI robot or chatbot. Now, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong about that and maybe they will become so good that we won't be able to differentiate between, you know, the human speaking to you versus the AI speaking to you. Um, but I think there's always going to be a place for that human interaction. And I think that, um, I actually think in-person training is way less susceptible to these tools because, in-person training, you can you you touch the person, you can you can see how they're doing it, you can see their um, their exertion level, you can see so much more, you gather so much more visual feedback, just their mannerisms, the way that they walk and the way they hold themselves, and and that is a different aspect of coaching rather than just giving the nutrition plan and just giving the workout plan and all that stuff. So I know that that's kind of a long answer, um, but I think that it will replace a lot of people. But it won't replace the entire profession. Just the profession will shift more towards like really leaning into the personal aspect of things and the, the programming and nutrition, you know, the, the hard, you know, just the deliverables, if you will, the macros, the workouts can, can easily become automated. I've used ChatGPT to try and write programs and I, I don't think it's good at all. I think it's actually really bad yeah. right now. Um, but again, having said that it's better than some stuff that I've seen out there that, that an actual human wrote. So that's just, that speaks more to the average level, I think of people. Um, but there's no, there's no doubt that it will get better at writing programs than, than people because it just has more information. So there's no doubt about that. Um, just, I think it's really far away from that. What what do you think about it? I know that was a long answer, but what's, what are your thoughts?
1: You said I'm allowed to be explicit, right?
0: Of course. Say whatever you want.
1: Well, cool. so a metaphor that I just thought about yesterday, which is why I asked this question, is saying that ChatGPT and YouTube will replace personal trainers is like saying porn and OnlyFans will replace real sex. I believe humans require have a desire for a real human to actually satisfy the need. Yep. It's not the same. And... You can get some results. I mean, people do it, right? You can get cheap results for sure on both ends, but it's not the same if you've done both,
0: <laughs> right? Yeah.
1: If you experience both, and you know it's not even remotely close. And another thing I want to keep in mind is right now, 70% of the population is overweight. I don't see a future that in the next five years, that number is zero, mm. which means that no matter how good it is, it's still not good enough. Right, because even if it's cut by half, which won't happen, but if if only 35 percent, if only one third of the population is overweight or obese, one third of the population that's three, that's two or three billion people. So two yeah. or three billion people are not satisfied with what the market has to offer, assuming that the, what the market has to offer is incredible. Those people need solutions. They need solutions that haven't worked so far. Need some sort of accountability to make sure that they do what they say they're going to do. So, yeah, I don't see this going anywhere. I feel like it's only going to get bigger and bigger. And I believe you made a really good point. If you're a loser, then, yeah, everything's saturated. ChatGPT will take your job over right now, <laughs> yeah. right? If you don't know what you're talking about, 100%, if you've never gotten other people's results, then, yeah, obviously, then you're extremely replaceable. But if you've gotten endless testimonials, if you do this for if like this is really something you do right now as a hobby like this is who you are then yeah i feel like uh i don't think either of us are going anywhere
0: yeah i think the other the other thing that's that's kind of obvious with this is like people are not overweight or obese or unhealthy because of a lack of available knowledge in the world yeah. right they may they may lack the knowledge personally but it's not because the knowledge doesn't exist like you and i don't possess some secret knowledge about workouts that like yeah. th- that nobody else knows right we you know you and i are both learning from other people who are who are ahead of us who have been doing this longer who have who will do you know more research whatever there's always stuff to learn like we're always growing right and but but if you Google anything like ChatGPT just pulls from whatever's currently on the internet. So that means that all that information, like it already exists. It already
1: exists. Yeah.
0: It already exists. And so if you took the time to you know Google it and and do the research and whatever, not research research, but like whatever, look up stuff and and, and figure it out, you could get all that knowledge right now, and it wouldn't take very long. But it's it's the aggregation and it's the the, the delivery of that knowledge, right? I'm sure if you ask ChatGPT, give me 37 tips for. Uh, working out at home, it'll spit you out thirty-seven tips. But it's like you don't need thirty-seven tips. You probably need like two or three. And so a, mm-hmm. a person, a human, can give you those two or three that are going to be best applicable to you. Whereas ChatGPT doesn't know anything about you, and maybe eventually it will. But y- you still have to put in the effort to like train the thing to do that. It can't. It can't do it. It can't be uh, active in figuring out who you are. Whereas a coach, you know, uh, like I know that I have a very um, comprehensive intake process where we're talking for like an hour or over an hour, just about like trying to figure out what's, what's their deal and, and everything that I can about them so that I can deliver you know the best possible advice and the most directed advice that's going to help them. Because a tip that I would give to, to you, for example, wouldn't be applicable to the next person. And it won't be applicable yeah. to the next person after that, because everyone's got different stuff going on. So I think that that's where that really like personal element comes in. And that's how, um, like that's just how it's going to progress it'll it'll replace some people like again the losers the people who suck but they're not going to last very long anyways so it it's not really changing the the landscape of the industry i don't think
1: mm. that's a good point because even if chat gpt didn't exist people won't get results from them so yeah they have negative word of mouth so that's not going to go well for them but i really yeah. love what you said about the personal aspect because humans don't respect robots to tell them what to do Right? You can go to Chat GPT right now and be like, Hey, give me compliments. Doesn't matter what Chat GPT say, you won't feel better about yourself. But if <laughs> yeah. a person will be like, Hey, your shirt looks good, you'll feel good about it. Right? Yeah. People need other people. Without it, technology can only do so much. So I just wanted to ask that because I see people say that I'd be like, Why wow, you really have no idea? That's like somebody who's only watched porn and looked at only fans have never had real sex look like, yeah real sex isn't that good like it's a, why do you need another human like, cool you've never experienced it
0: right right I, th- I think that the chat GPT and that stuff it will take over jobs it will more take over jobs and before I say this maybe this is just because of my ignorance because I don't know as much about those jobs but it'll take over jobs that have more like hard skills like right and wrong answers a yeah. uh, A good example of this might be some sort of like financial model or like an accounting something where it's like there's a right way to do this, and there is like an actual you know most efficient answer right like yeah, it, and it, and if you think is, yeah. if you think about school like on your math test. In, in high school, like there's a right answer to the question. The, the the answer is 117. Right. But on your English test on when you have to write an essay, there's not a right answer. It's just like, well, how well did you explain yourself? Did you did you use correct grammar? Like there's a whole bunch of things and there's a lot of subjectivity. So in something that we do, there's a lot of soft skills that are involved where it's like there's not a right way to train like there's not a definitive right way to train each individual. There's a lot of different ways and a lot of them can work. And it's mostly about that individual's personalities combined with the coach's personality. Cause the way that I coach someone will be different from the way that you coach someone, but we probably both get the person results just in a different yeah. way. Um, whereas like, you know, in, in some other like harder skilled jobs uh, or more technical jobs, I guess you could say, where it's like, well, there's a right way to do this and the computer can Maybe not today, but it will eventually just be able to do it way faster because it knows all the knowledge. It it remembers all of the laws inside and out and every single case law ever that's been written because it's a computer. Whereas no human could obviously possess that much information uh, in their head. So that's that's kind of where I, where I think it's going. But again, I don't know. Maybe that's just my ignorance about those jobs because I'm not. Uh, I don't. I don't work in those fields.
1: I think what you said makes perfect sense.
0: Yeah. Interesting stuff either way though I, I think it's gonna it's gonna change the world fitness it will definitely have its impact in, in fitness and health and whatnot. I believe it will be a positive impact, but um it's certainly going to change a lot of the way that we do things just you know overall
1: yeah no, I'm excited for the future, and again, seventy percent of the population is overweight. I don't foresee a future where that number is zero, right yeah yeah so
0: unfortunately i'm i'm I agree unfortunately, with you yeah I mean, we want it yeah. to, you know, We're on the same team. Uh, yeah
1: be like it's weird when people say what's your competition like well my competition isn't trainers my competition is big pharma. my competition is junk food mcdonald's yeah, yeah,
0: <laughs> my competition
1: yeah. is the narrative that you can be healthy at any size that's my competition that's what i'm actually fighting against not other personal trainers not ChatGPT. gpt we're all on the same team trying to Make the world healthier, and we're currently losing. Right, people are getting more and more overweight, so it's a battle. But I believe it's a battle that we will win in the coming future.
0: Yeah, I agree. And we'll we'll finish on this question. This is something that I've I've spoken about on the podcast before, and I think about it very often just on my own. Do you think it's weird that people like you and I even have a job in society?
1: No, because The purpose of jobs is to satisfy a need that's not met, right? Mm. 50 years ago, dialing, um, actually, I don't even know, like handing out newspapers, right, was a need that wasn't met. So people had jobs for that. Right now, that's not a need because everybody has a phone and they can Google and look up stuff, Right. right? But I think what is weird is when people say that this market is saturated, yeah, as we talked before, being a loser, you're know, saturated 100%. That applies to everything, right? Yeah. This market is not saturated because there's way more people that need our help than personal trainers that are good. Yeah, there is very few people who can actually get other people results, and there's way more people that need help getting results. So this market is one. How is it not saturated at all? If you are a competent personal trainer, then yes. Highly recommend this field because there's infinite people to help, right? Because we can only handle so many clients. Like if I give you a thousand clients, you can't do one one for one thousand people. It's not possible. Yeah, right. Right. And how many people are overweight? Let's say whatever seven billion, right? So that means you would need seven million competent personal trainers and there isn't 7 million competent personal trainers there's less than 1 million there's right. probably 100,000 right. right if we're being like really really nice and generous so yeah we can't there's one people that need the help then we are able to help so I feel like this is a golden market to be in
0: yeah. The numbers are favorable, right? If you help, if you help a thousand people, that's amazing. And like a big difference, but at the same time, like a thousand people is a drop in the bucket of the number of people yeah. who, who who need help. I guess, guess what I was getting at with my question just more to to define it, it was like right. that, that there's a, even a need for like our services in society. Like it's a, it's a sign of like, to me, it's a sign of a broken society. We shouldn't have right. to be, you know, Coaching people on how to like eat healthy and whatever, because like there's something we're trying to fix something that's broken. That's that's kind of the way that I think about it. So I would love to like be so good at what I do that I mm. that I coach that I work myself out of a, out of a job. I, but I don't think that that's <laughs> that that's gonna happen. But but that would be that would be a a great thing I think for for society is that we don't need. I
1: see your point, trainers. But counter argument to that would be like. Isn't it weird that we have entertainers? Why can't people just be happy all the time? Right. um, Just like children, right? Be like, the fact is there's a need in the market, right? And we have to satisfy that need because technically you should just be able to be a monk and be happy all the time. You don't need any (laughs) stimulus at all. However, that's not the case. Now, it would be better if the world as a whole didn't need any stimulus other than food and shelter. We didn't need anything else. However, we're more evolved than that. Right. We are kind of like plants in the sense we need water and sunlight, but we also have complicated emotions. So but we need stimulus. And yeah, I, I definitely get your point. It is weird that this is needed because lions don't need personal trainers. There's <laughs> this lion in this move, Yeah. right? But we're just in a different place than them. So yeah, we need a bunch more things that don't really make sense to like, com- if you compare us to other animals, but the way I view it is there's a need in the market. There's a huge market with very few people who can actually satisfy the need. So it's not word in that aspect.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, agreed. That, that's a really good point. I mean, I guess if we really break it down to like what we biologically need, then we would all just be monks and farmers like that. Then that yeah. would be it. And there would be no need for any other job either. So yeah, good point. But um very interesting stuff. I think I think this fitness space is in a really is in a really good space and but it's in an interesting uh, time with with just new technologies and and whatnot coming out. Daniel, thanks so much for being here, man. I, I appreciate your time. This is this was a great chat. I think there's a lot of uh, really actionable tips in in this episode for people to take away from them or for themselves, um, which is which is always the, the the goal here. Is there any last message that you want to kind of leave the people with uh, here in closing?
1: Invest in the most valuable asset that you have, which is yourself. Stocks, crypto, real estate may go up, may go down. You carry yourself with you everywhere you go, quite literally. So might as well carry that confidence, that energy, everywhere you go. Nothing's a better investment than yourself. If you want to hear more about me, then check me out on Twitter. I know Twitter isn't just politics and Random arguments, <laughs> there's a good side. there's a fitness Twitter, lots of lovely people. My username is Daniel underscore fit. You can also check out my website at DanielRozfit.com. That's D-A-N-I-L-R-A-Z-F-I-T dot com. You can also check me out on Instagram at DanielRozfit, but honestly, I'm not that active on Instagram. If you go on Instagram, check out Daniel yours. His content is way better, so check him out for sure.
0: I appreciate the, the shout-out. That's Daniel Razfit on Instagram, on Twitter, on, and on your website as well. I'll put the links to all of that stuff in the show notes. Daniel, thanks a lot for being here, man. I appreciate your time very much and your insights. Um, keep up the great work. You know, Keep being one of the good people in the fitness industry, and we're all going to help people uh, get healthier. Thanks for listening, everybody. I appreciate each and every one of you as well. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. Leave a rating and review on whatever platform it is that you listen to. Um, and that's that. Go outside. Be a good person. We'll see you next time.